When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow underway. The Thursday edition has arrived. Jed Withrow would like you to know that means the weekend is here. Congrats, everyone. You made it. You made it. It's been a long week. You've deserved this. You earned it. That's right. You made it to the weekend. That's on right. a Thursday. We've got Mark Edelman who will join us, legal analyst. A lot to hit on with him coming up in about an hour um, where we, of course, NCAA against NIL, State of Tennessee, Commonwealth of Virginia. We have uh, the... The NFL digging into the contract and this partnership between ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery, looking for loopholes, according to Mike Florio, about whether or not they will be able to stream playoff games, postseason games. Because apparently the NFL is caught off guard by this. Yeah. That's coming up. And the speaking of antitrust, um, the NHL may be facing... A lawsuit with that, uh, too. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hudden. How are I, I would think that the lawyers for Time Warner, for Disney, and uh, for, who's the third? Fox. Fox. Pretty sure they probably found the loophole already. And maybe now it's just this is the counterattack from the NFL. I don't think you enter into this with a plan to carry playoff games right. without finding the loophole first, right? So now they're probably reviewing the loophole. And trying to see if it can sustain. I'm intrigued by this because it does seem that NFL and ESPN, they want to do their own thing, right? Yeah. That's where they're headed. Um, Travis Kelsey at the parade yesterday, uh, the the celebration. I mentioned uh, earlier on uh, the uh, the Instagram reel, he's definitely woke up with a hangover today. Yeah, it was embarrassing. I, I I, I would not want to be live on camera that way. No. It was it was embarrassing. I don't I don't know. I know everybody's eyes. Oh, boys will be boys having fun. I, I thought it was an embarrassment. We'll, we'll I mean, look, we've up. all been there before. But come on, man, you're going to be speaking on a microphone. You got to hold it together a little bit. That was awful. We'll get into it. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the the celebrations yesterday in Kansas City, it's certainly uh, it is uh, not even mentioned or should be uh, first, but based on the uh, tragedy that took place with the the shooting that uh, happened right at the end of the parade uh, at uh, Union Station, where um, right now, what, 23 victims, uh, 20 wounded, uh, one killed, uh, Lisa Lopez, a DJ in Kansas City, radio DJ. It's, uh, she's um, the, the one confirmed uh, of this. And uh, many in the hospital, you have uh, 19 of those that showed up to the hospital with, with gunshot wounds. Of the 30 patients that were in the emergency room or, or taken to the hospital from the scene. Um, three people detained. Two are apparently juveniles. And reports are vague, but it's a, a, over a, some type of dispute. Just uh, senseless and sad and, yeah, just tragic all the way around. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Um, you know, it, it's one of those where I, I like to 
think about those that we should be acknowledging and honoring in these moments, law enforcement, the, the hero, the gentleman from Omaha, Nebraska, yeah. uh, that detained one of the gunmen and, and held them down for over 30 seconds while the cops got to him. Uh, Trey Smith, a guy from Jackson, Tennessee, that played for the University of Tennessee that uh, was comforting uh, a young boy and some children and got them kind of out of harm's way and shared the WWE championship belt that he had with them to try to take their mind off things. In the midst of tragedy, there's always a number of stories like this that remind us about the good within the human condition, but there's absolutely nothing that I can say or anyone else that you know is going gonna, is gonna to make this okay. Yep. Um, one, one, person, one person died and there's kids in the hospital yeah. uh, because they went to a parade to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. It's just, it, it's senseless. It's a tragedy. It's terrible. Um, there's not been much reported on the perpetrators of this awful crime. I'm sure there will be information about them. Let's just make it a point to continue talking about the heroic behavior of some that were involved in this, those in law enforcement that run to the danger and not away from it, the good Samaritan, the gentleman that, that covered up the, that tackled the person, the gunman and, and did that uh, Trey Smith and one of his teammates, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, who's offering to get something together from the chiefs for all the children involved in this. You see the good in people that, that comes out of something like this. Also, it's just, it's awful that this is what happened yeah, Paul, at a parade. Paul Contreras is his name. Paul Contreras, thank you. Uh, he was at the event with his daughters, and everyone started running. And he saw someone moving in the opposite direction and shouted out him, telling him to stop. He didn't. And so he hit the person from behind, tackled him, uh, knocked the gun to the ground while doing so. Um, yeah. Hero. Um, James Winchester is the long snapper for the Chiefs that was also in the locked closet with Trey Smith while they were comforting some of the children uh, while this was all happening. So want to mention his name as well. Um, let's remember them. You know, obviously let's remember any, any of the victims in yeah. this also, but let's, let's remember those that stepped in in a moment where pretty much everyone would panic, and, and rightfully so, that did the opposite of what human nature would tell you to do. And they, they ran towards the danger. They helped out that in, the, in the event of Mr. Contreras <laughs> – Helped save lives, possibly, yes, with, yes. with his actions and, and what he did. So, kudos to all of them. The NFL uh, with the uh, entire community, but uh, every team, of course, the Chiefs put out a statement, uh, outpouring of support through all of this. Um, that more coverage and, and reaction at outkick.com. Uh, and, and, again, remembering Lisa Lopez, uh, radio DJ in Kansas City, uh, her family, uh, in our thoughts and prayers as well. Um, Chad, the Kansas City Chiefs, going for now the three-peat. And in thinking about what that would mean historically, not just for individuals like Patrick Mahomes, but just how you build to that in today's league, you're not supposed to be able to do that. For instance, this upcoming season, I think more than likely Chris Jones is not a Kansas City Chief any longer. Signed that one-year deal this past August after a holdout. Um, going into the no, going into week one actually, and well, he wins another title. I doubt he's going for the three peat because he's going to get paid elsewhere on the interior of that defensive front. And he certainly made a case for he, he was the defensive MVP, and he helped turn that game around for the Chiefs in that fourth quarter and, and second half. 
But Kansas City, there's no reason to believe they can't overcome that loss. It's a big one. But they've already done it with Tyreek Hill. And it's one of the storylines I think that's overshadowed through the wins is the fact that they decided to trade away Tyreek Hill, who has then gone on to lead the league in receiving yards since he left. 22 and 23 of the seasons. 3,500 yards, 20 touchdowns. Combined since he left, Kansas City receivers, 26 touchdowns. 26, six more touchdowns than the top receiver that you let go to Miami and put up tons of numbers. And 5,000 combined yards. Hill has done nearly, not more than half, but he's 1,500 yards away from being the meeting the entire receiving core for Kansas City. And they've done it through more than just wide receiver, which I'm stunned by, quite frankly. They've done it through the draft. Very young on defense, but talented. And we don't hear much from their general manager, Veach. It's all Andy Reid. But a draft class that fueled this dynasty started with Trent McDuffie at corner, George Karloftis, Sky Moore is one. They have safety Brian Cook. They also, in the same draft class, drafted Jalen Watson, Isaiah Pacheco. The list goes on and on. It was a massive haul and one that they hit on after getting rid of the top player, not named Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. This is something that no other team is able to copy because no other team is able to get it right through the draft and build that way after trading away a big money player because your quarterback is the top paid player in the league, and he will be after this offseason. They'll restructure. This is why we're seeing the dynasty. It's more than just quarterback. It's basically the quarterback. But it's more than that. Because you can be, have a great quarterback and not win. You can have a great quarterback and not beat the top quarterback in the league year in and year out, Josh Allen. Because you're not doing what others in the front office and the coaching staff are doing for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is why they can go for the three-peat. Chad, I know yesterday you said, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to bet against them again. Yeah, I'll take those. Up. I took the odds. We're not that, leaving. I'm not leaving. I took the odds that they won't. That's the Chiefs. But in the preseason, I backed them all the way to win, and they did. I didn't back them midway through the season. But this, we're also witnessing a great organization behind a great quarterback. And there's no reason to doubt them, regardless of what they lose or who they bring in, even if it's not top talent, even if it's a rookie that they're going to bank on being really good, because chances are they will be. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a powerful concoction when you have an organization that has a future Hall of Fame head coach that everyone respects. Any free agent you bring in, any draft pick, any undrafted guy, immediate respect for the head coach. When you pair that with the best quarterback currently in the NFL, that's a great leader, but also one of the dudes – He's one of the bros. He's one of the guys. Sounds an awful lot like Tom Brady. Tom Brady was one of the guys. Right. He was well-respected. He was well-liked. Two different things, right? You can be well-respected, but not all your teammates will like you. You can be very well-liked, but not well-respected. Tom Brady was both. He was one of the guys. He was chugging beers with his offensive line and with Gronk at team parties. But he was also very well-respected. He could get on someone, and they wouldn't talk back because he's Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes is there right now, too. He's not yet Brady, but he's the exact same type of leader. He can go 
chug beers with Kelsey and his offensive linemen, and he can also snap on them and get them with it and know that he's going. they're going to have his respect, and they're going to respect him. And, and same goes for Andy Reid. The whole Travis Kelsey-Andy Reid thing, I, I think, was a sign of mutual respect that got out of control and that Kelsey lost his mind, shouldn't have done that. But that's probably a healthy back and forth they've had many times before that got carried away in that moment. But I watch this Chiefs team, and I think, of course, whoever they bring in is going to get along with that and go along with it, or they'll be gone, and we're not going to hear much about them. But I see them drafting a receiver in the first round this year, and when that happens, that receiver is going to come in, and he's going to immediately be greeted by the leader who's also a good friend of everyone on the team and a head coach that's headed for Canton. And that's a deadly concoction that we're witnessing in KC. And we saw the same thing in Foxborough for years. Think about the money invested in wide receiver across the league. Jace is about to get paid. Yep. You have Justin Jefferson who's about to get paid. The Titans decided not to pay A.J. Brown. And it backfired on them. They went downhill. The Chiefs decided not to continue to pay Tyreek Hill. A player who had gone in the, from his rookie season, uh, except for his rookie season, 2000, uh, 2017 to 2021, the five years that he was a true part of the offense, 6,000 receiving yards. The, the next best receiver in that span was McCole Hardiman. And he had 50 touchdowns. The rest of the group combined had 53. And they traded that dude. And they still have gone back-to-back. That is remarkable to me. He ranked third among the NFL in in yards among wide receivers, second in in touchdowns, and he averaged 95 receiving yards a game in the playoffs for them. And they traded him, and they're winning at a clip that no one's going to surpass anytime soon. Yeah, and and the the amazing thing about that team, that that whole roster, is the offense has taken a step back since Tyreek Hill, but they still win Super Bowls. Defense has stepped up, and you got Patrick Mahomes, who always steps up when it matters most. And what made them hard to defend was Hill, because you had to choose Kelsey or Hill. Yeah. And one was not going to be double-teamed. Kelsey underneath, (laughs) Hill over the top. And that means, think about what Kelsey's doing in this offense, still putting up his numbers. He ends up with, what, nine catches after having one uh, early on in the game. The the details here of what happened in the Super Bowl— and, and Davey brought up, and, and he's right to point out, Spagnolo, you know, he gets the contract extension, and rightfully so, pointed him out recently, and we'll, we'll get to his, his solid play in a moment. But when it mattered, they had to go score. They couldn't drop passes from this group. And you had Kelsey with nine catches. You had Hardiman, who caught the game winner. Justin Watson had three for 54. Rasheed Rice, six catches for 39 yards. Uh, MVS, three catches for 20. He came up with one of the biggest plays of the game, though. Uh, Noah Gray, Jarrett McKinnon, they weren't dropping passes all of a sudden in the moment. And I think that's also, you know, you mentioned the Patriot way, you know, the culture. I think that's part of this too. I don't know what they're calling it, but in the moment, everyone tends to just rise to the next level. Yeah. And that's, that's also very difficult where the guys who are known for dropping passes are all of a sudden not doing it in the clutch. I don't know how you put it, you collectively it's, put that together. I think it's just called, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes' proximity uh, to greatness and to his clutch play. I think back to Jordan and Kerr yeah. in, in the 96 final, or 97 finals where Steve Kerr knocks down the shot to end that series, the first win over the Jazz. And, and they've talked about this a lot. It was in the last dance. But, you know, Kerr, he got in a fight with Michael Jordan at one point in practice. He got punched. It wasn't really a fight. He got sucker punched by Michael Jordan. 
but was teammates with him long enough where they had an understanding. And Kerr would be the first to tell you this, that either you do your job around Michael Jordan or, or you're not going to be a part of it anymore. And whether or not Jordan says it all the time, yeah. he does it by showing you that trust. And when he knew he was going to get doubled, he had no problem dishing to Steve Kerr for a wide-open 17-footer that won the Bulls a championship. And he hit it. And Steve Kerr knew he was going to make it because yeah. Michael Jordan's his teammate. And if Michael Jordan trusts me, well, damn it, I must be pretty good at making open jump shots. And that's the way he felt, and that's how that, that whole thing played out. Jets. I see a lot of similarities with Patrick Mahomes yeah. and, and the way you know he is around people. I'll also say this one play that we haven't spent a lot of time discussing. Fourth and one, fourth and less than one, overtime, down three. They got to pick it up or the game's over. The 49ers kicked the field goal on the first time. Mahomes called his own number in that moment. It was a, a little fake give up the middle, option to the outside, and Mahomes wasn't about to throw that. He had the option to throw it forward or run it, and he ran for like seven or eight yards. And I'm thinking, when the game's on the line, he's not going to put it to chance with anyone else. He's going to go ahead and pick it up. He did what he normally does. Yep. Steve Spagnolo does great things with his system. And he didn't back down from what he normally does, Chad, as a defensive coordinator, regardless of how the rest of the league had played San Francisco's offense all season. Consider this. You're watching film. You're game planning for the 49ers. And for the most part, the NFL collective opponents did basically the same thing in their attack defensively and trying to beat San Francisco. Steve Spagnuolo didn't. Look at the coverage tendencies of this game compared to everything on film this season for Steve Spagnuolo. He's known for bringing the blitz. He's known for bringing five, and he just continued to do it. Kansas City against the 49ers. Cover zero. 21% of the time against 11 personnel with the receivers and one tight end. And 6% of the time, the rest of the league called that play, called that defense. Cover one, 40% to 23 Man coverage, 64% to 30, and they won. They, they, they got the job done. They did what they needed to do despite trailing in the game early. On the flip side, Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator for the 49ers. After the Super Bowl loss, you've got Nick Bosa questioning if San Francisco's defense was ready for the designed running plays in this game. Steve Wilkes didn't play the type of defense that Kyle Shanahan ultimately decided he wanted to do with this group and what we saw from uh, D'Amico Ryans. So he's fired. Steve Wilkes, after the Super Bowl, let go by San Francisco. Um, this is a, a weird dynamic. They, he was up in the booth. They had him come down and call plays from the sidelines starting the bye week. Um, Shanahan openly questioned an all-out blitz against the Vikings, I believe, earlier in the season. He's out, so is Anthony Lynn as the running back's coach, and now they're looking for a, a defensive coordinator in San Francisco. And, and now my question to that is, how much are you wasting some of these great defensive players you have yeah. by constantly regurgitating a different system and a different coordinator and, and not just sticking with someone? Now, what's weird is it, they, they average only allowing 17 points per no, game. That's what I'm saying, but it, now they're going to have to have a completely new system and someone different to work under is that affecting their overall output? Uh, they were a good defense this year. But, I mean, this is Kyle Shanahan's decision to get right or wrong. And he's saying, I got the, this last year wrong, and I'm going to correct it and, and go forward now. It's, it's not like the 49ers are, are way off. No. I mean, they led by 10 in the fourth quarter. 
in their first Super Bowl against the Chiefs, and they led by 10 in this game and lost in overtime. Yeah, disconnect They're between the right two. They're right there. Uh, the defense of the playoffs for San Fran, they allowed 50% conversion rate on third down. Mentioned earlier in the week, though, uh, Shanahan's offense on third down in the playoffs combined in these 10 points uh, leads that he allows back, not good. Like seven third downs converted, period, in those three games. Chad, we have uh, reached a point, a lull for football. Now, not really, because football really never ends. But we, we're coming off of what was a great NCAA tournament last, this past March. We're about to go into the month of March, and it's going to be a blast. And it's time to focus on what is going to be a crazy <laughs> month and a half. And I try to stay positive, you know. I know. I, I do agree. I, I, I try to be positive about things. I'm not going to sit here and, and cry over the lack of football. I'm a live sports junkie. If it's on, um, I, I was recently at a family reunion in the mountains, and I find myself late at night watching Winter X games because it's on and it's live, and I got into it, and, you know, maybe I want to try snowboarding at some I point. I didn't know that was happening. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it was happening. I'm not sure if it still is. Oh. But if it's on, I'm, I'm going to watch it a lot of times. I'm a, I'm a huge college basketball fan. If you want to be encouraged about live sports now that football is over, look no further than college basketball. It's a joyride every single week during the season. Now, maybe not for fans of top 10 teams, top 20 teams, but when you look at the numbers of teams in the top 10 on the road, they're barely over 500. That number's starting to creep up a little bit. But in true road games this season, especially in conference play, those teams are barely over 500. Parity has never been better mm -hmm. across the board in college basketball. Here's what else we're seeing. NIL and the ability for stars to make money as veteran players has led to a better product for college basketball. Far less one-and-dones. Duke is a prime example. Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor. They come back in large part because they're probably making a ton of money at Duke instead of going and chancing it in the NBA draft where maybe they make it, maybe they don't. It's really becoming increasingly a less likely proposition of one-and-dones actually making it in the NBA. It's also great for the NBA. They get extra years of evaluation before they draft guys. It's a win-win for basketball fans. Better for the NBA, certainly better for college basketball. The sport has never been better than it is right now. I think you're going to have veteran mid-major teams that are going to upset people just like last year with FAU going on their big run. Others made noise in the tournament also. And you've got some power players at the top that have a great shot of going to the Final Four. Here's a stat for you. Since 2002, every national champion has finished top 40 in adjusted offense, according to Ken Palm, and top 25 in adjusted defense by Ken Palm. The teams right now that fit that criteria, if we're already going to start looking at brackets, we're going to peek ahead to mid-March and look at brackets. If you want to pick a national champion right now, and there's three weeks left in the regular season, those teams are Houston, UConn, Marquette, Purdue, Michigan State, Tennessee, Auburn, Duke, North Carolina, and Arizona. It's a pretty good collection of programs that are right there with a great offense and a great defense. College basketball is heating up. There are three weeks left in the regular season. Jump on board now. If you haven't watched all year, it's fine. Now's the time to start watching. Now's the time to start evaluating the bubble. Now's the time to look at seeding for the tournament. You're just in time for basketball watching right now. And I'm, I'm thrilled about it.
I'm telling you, hop on board. So right now, Lenardi, last four teams in, just to keep it. By the way, this Saturday will be exactly one month until Selection Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we'll, we'll have three, really, counting this weekend, about two and a half, three weeks of regular season, then everyone's conference tournament, and then Selection Sunday on that March Sunday. March 17th is Selection Sunday. New Mexico, Ole Miss, Nevada, and Utah are the four last in. First four out, Wake Forest, Gonzaga, Seton Hall, Cincinnati. Gonzaga, who just won in Lexington also. And they're on the outside looking in right now, according to Lenardi. And then you have St. John's, Colorado, Providence, and Villanova right behind that group. Um, By the way, Villanova uh, looking like they're going to go 0 for 2 for the tournament since Jay Wright retired and Kyle Neptune took over. How about this? The ACC. Down. So they peaked in 2019. There's really two locks right now, like absolute locks, and that's North Carolina and Duke. They had three number one overall seeds in 2019. And they have, uh, they've had uh, three of four. So they had three of the four seeds. They had the national champion in Virginia. Um, since then, there's not been a single top-line selection from the ACC. <coughs> what happened to them? It's nuts. I, I don't know if it's a byproduct I mean, of NIL at some of these places not being up to snuff or, or what's going on, but it's, it's gotten worse and worse. They averaged for the 20 years uh, of this century, they averaged one top seed per year. I, I don't... Even if it's NIL, you get more than what? I think it's three teams right now that are in. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you look at some other power conferences. The Pac-12 has one team that's for sure in right now. It's Arizona. And they're going to be one of the higher seeds in the tournament. They're going to get three or four in. Washington State should be in also. Colorado is going to be in. But right now, if you're just looking at locks, they really have one. SEC is loaded. The yes. Big 12, I think, is the best top to bottom because the bottom of the Big 12 is pretty good. Kansas just went to Lubbock, Texas and lost by 29. That's their worst loss in like 70 years in conference. And Bill Self got ejected for the first time ever in a game as Kansas head coach. That's just North Carolina goes to Syracuse and loses. There's something like this every night that happens that just shows, A, it's very hard to win on the road in college basketball. That's the biggest home court, home field advantage to me is college basketball home court advantage for teams. And also, there's just a lot of parity. There's some really good teams, and the difference between the really good to the great is razor thin when you look at some of these teams. So it's fun. Jump on board now. Yep. 68-team bracket. Uh, it's going to be a lot. Of, it's going to be a blast. Here's the th- oh, by the way, uh, Florida Atlantic, if you're just wondering about FAU, right now a sixth seed. Yeah. And, I mean, that, that's the parity we're talking about. Where you've got- well, Florida Atlantic is now, they've, they've- graduated to the like, Gonzaga range where they're automatically top 25 preseason yeah, know, going the, the into perception. this year. They returned it a, a lot, too. But as long as they you know, continue to do well, they can get in that where they're not worried about being on the bubble as much every year because it, the assumption is already, first off, they're going to get good games in the non-conference, so their schedule is going to be really good. And then you can go in thinking you're going to be a top four seed in and, the tournament. You know, I've said, but and agree or disagree, I don't necessarily – buy into just the free-for-all, NIL, transfer portal, all of it for college football as being great. It is great for college basketball. I agree. It is, it is, it is awesome because you've got all these players spread out everywhere now. And you have – we're seeing in college football where coaches are, had the opportunity to have the Alabama job and said, no, 
I can do what happened there here. Um, it's just times 100 in college basketball. Look, I, I, there are some mid-majors who would disagree with this, but mid-majors will make noise like they always do. Indiana State just got ranked for the first time since 1979 when a guy named Larry Bird was playing for them this past mm. week. Uh, they lost it to, I think, Southern Illinois right after that, but still, they got in the top 25. But when you look at the step up, guys who go from low or mid-major to high major that make a huge impact, just off the top of my head in the SEC alone, Alabama's got Mark Sears, who's their leading scorer from Ohio. They've got uh, Aaron Estrada, who's from Hofstra. Those are their two best guards. And Tennessee's got Dalton Connect, who's going to be a first-team All-American more than likely this year, who's from northern Colorado. Yeah. And he's the mo- biggest impact transfer and in college basketball this year. Is it making year. that much, Correct. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, I, he's making a lot more than he would have at Northern Colorado. Yeah, but, but, but is he making as much as if he were – because he, he just locked on immediately and said Tennessee's where I'm going. Yeah, no, I, I, look, I, I, think, I, I think it's awesome. I think those guys could make six figures, but it's not like they're making a million. Right, you know, when I they think go the somewhere. perception is they are. Right. But um, to me, that's cool about NIL and the transfer portal is guys getting a chance to go to the next level before they try to get yes. to the next level, the NBA or wherever they play professionally. Chad, have you – have you ever had a a, a poll, uh, a university poll that contacted you about contributing to the whatever poll, like the Monmouth University poll that I'm about to reference? I've never uh, had anyone reach out and be like, hey, yes, excuse me, can you? I, I have. I've had emails about it before. But you think it's like spam, right? Yeah, I've never replied. I, I've never actually done it. So the Monmouth University uh, yesterday published a, a poll uh, result. Uh, Chad had a great response to this earlier in the week. Nearly one in five Americans believe that Taylor Swift is part of a covert government effort to help Joe Biden win the 2024 presidential election, according to this Monmouth University poll. This is the, uh, this is the, from the uh, release. Just under half, 46%, of the American public has heard something about Swift being a part of a supposed covert government effort to help Biden win. Just under one in five Americans, 18%, believe such a conspiracy involving Swift exists. Fully 71% of those who believe uh, believe this, they identify with or lean toward the Republican Party. 83% indicate they're likely to support Donald Trump in the fall. Uh, and so, surely, surely we're not this, we're, we're not this just groupthink, are we? No, we are. We're there. How are we there? We've officially reached the point of, uh, uh, what's the movie, the Mike Judge movie, Idiocracy? Um, I, we're very close to reaching idiocracy status as, as a nation. A dystopian future. This is, this is sad. See, I hear, I hear the results of this poll, and if that's true, uh, my thinking is 20% of Americans are complete and total morons. Yes. If you buy into this, you're a complete and utter failure of a mentally stable human being. If you believe this to be true, it's the worst conspiracy theory going. Okay. And here's what it does because the people who believe this, we're going to vote for Donald Trump regardless. So that doesn't matter. Set that aside. But what this does is it allows for news coverage of it that puts people that are on the fence about who to vote for, possibly over the top to vote for the Democratic nominee because they hear this over and over and they think, my God, Republicans are morons. That's what you're doing when you do this. It's negatively affecting those that might actually, those, those impartial voters that actually exist, the independent voters, 
you may help swing the election for Biden or whoever else by talking about this and buying into it. That's how dumb this theory is. Because if I were an independent voter and I started reading and hearing about this constantly, I would think, good Lord, the far right has lost their damn mind. I may have to vote for this senile old man as president instead. So beware of what you do when you buy into stupid bleep like this. Because that's what it ends up doing. It ends up making Joe Biden look smart the way he did with his tweet after the Super Bowl when the Chiefs won. Because he can make fun of you that believes this and buys into it. That's the risk you take when you buy into stupid stuff like this. Be smarter than this. Be smarter. Taylor Swift's going to vote Democrat no matter what. She's not voting for Donald Trump. Everybody that has a brain in America knows this. That should not affect the outcome of an election. Swifties, if they are Swifties and buy into everything Taylor says, and if they have a vote, they're likely going to vote Democrat. Just know that already and try to be sane. And then by being sane, maybe you'll positively affect other voters that are on the fence. Try that out. Try it out. Let's see what happens. This is, a, this is why I just I, I laugh at this. What I, I just, because she endorsed Biden in 2020. Of course. She did. And it, by the way, her stardom, her star power only grew with this heiress tour. All, like one in five, there was one in five Americans who didn't try to get in line to get tickets yeah, to this she's show. She's waiting to see who the Democratic nominee is. Well, and then she's going to endorse that but, person. Well, sure. But like, so the, the whole conspiracy is like, oh, you know, swing the election with all the Swifties who are going to line up and vote. She's already endorsed Biden before. So why is all of a sudden there a conspiracy theory that she's going to somehow swing the election now? when she endorsed him prior to this election. I, it's, so, it's just nonsensical. And by the way, she can endorse whoever she wants to endorse. Yeah, I, absolutely. Let me say this All also. I see is a lot of, how long did it take some of the top uh, figures, uh, the top voices uh, on the, the right to endorse Donald Trump again? No, it's, it's still taking Forever. some a while to do it. But they can endorse him. Um, look, I'm going to say this, and you can clip it if you want. I, I don't care. I don't care if the Swifties. Come at me, Swifties, if you want. I'm going to go on a limb and say that most of the Swifties won't vote, period. So I'm really not concerned with this. I, I think if, you're, if you worship Taylor Swift as a deity, if that's your Christ, then you're probably not going to get off your ass and go vote regardless. So I don't think it really matters, honestly. I think yeah. people that are, are, are left are going to vote left. People that are right are going to vote right, and everything's going to come down to Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida, a few states, and those that are on the fence. And those that are on the fence are negatively persuaded to go the other way when they hear stupid shit like this from you or anyone else. Stupid shit like this will sway the election. So beware. Clip that if you'd like. Swifties won't vote. None of this matters. Don't be dumb. Because by not being dumb, there's a chance that maybe someone will watch that and say, you know, this is a pretty smart fella right here. This lady's pretty smart. She's pretty sane on topics. I kind of like that. And, you know, they're going to vote for Donald Trump or they're going to vote for this candidate. Maybe I'll vote the direction they do. Pretty simple. Chad, just why isn't she the, why isn't she the uh, VP? In this, uh, in this well, presidential I, race, uh, that's that would get Swifties to vote if she ran. I know. <laughs> let me let I'm me saying, if you, they, let me retract my statement. If Taylor Swift runs, then the Swifties will all show up at the ballot box and be sure to go vote on on voting day. So, if, to your point, like I think the, the people are picking up on the the 
uh, perception of what this means. Uh, Newsweek had a study last month that found 18% of voters say they're more likely to vote for a candidate if Swift endorses them. They're not saying they're absolutely doing it. They're just more well, likely to uh, talk about and back the candidate. I mean, it's also, uh, look, I, I, got, I got heat from some guy on social media this week that's a Bruce Springsteen fan, that his Twitter avatar is him wearing Bruce Springsteen's face on his shirt, and he was telling me to debap because I said something about officiating in a college basketball game, that I need to debap. I mean, think about the uh, irony of that. A, a man wearing another grown man's face. Face. On his shirt is telling me to debap. Okay, that person is going to vote Democrat because Bruce Springsteen is going to vote Democrat. You could put a potato in the chair of the Democratic seat running for office, and they're going to vote for that potato. So I, I like I what this potato stands for. I don't like more likely to vote if you're so in love with Taylor Swift that I, I you know, I probably align uh, culturally, politically with Taylor Swift. And I agree with all of her songs, so I'm just going to vote the way she votes. You're not changing that. There's no changing that outcome if someone is actually that stupid. But there are people like that that just say, I'll, if, if Bruce, if the boss says it, then I'll, I'll do it. I'm, I'm aligned with him on everything. Yeah, the, uh, the, the whole, the, any, there's some that just buy into any conspiracy theory. You know, people are just stupid. Uh, yes, they I'm are. I'm sorry, it's just, it's stupid. Well, think about what. Why would you need this? She's going to endorse the Democratic candidate again. If there's again. some like, if you want to talk about ballot boxes and all this and stuff like whatever, but th- this not is does not matter. She's not going to endorse Donald Trump. There would not need to be any deep state conspiracy to get her on the Super Bowl stage to endorse a Democrat. It's going to happen regardless. Yes. Thank, thank people. Chad well said. Thank the- you. Unfortunately, that will not be clipped. By no. the way, I'm unfortunately, sure. we will be, be uh, we'll be the idiots to those people. Right, we're the idiots for the idiots. Apparently, yeah, we're not Swifties. We're the idiots, candidate. No, we're Swifties by saying this. I like that, Taylor Swift. I like the, her music. I I, I don't. Oh, by the way, I don't believe in most of what she believes in politically. Right. Yeah, and that's great. That's fine. And, that's that's what we do as Americans. I endorse her art. I like you, her songs. I'm fine with her being shown on TV. And I don't agree with her politically, and I'm probably never going to align with what she says politically. And that's fine. And, oh, and for those— That's America. And, and, for, and for us, we're probably not going to align with 90% of the artists we like. Yeah, of course. But I still—I'm going to watch their movies. I'm going to listen yeah. to their music. Yeah. If it's good, I'm going to listen to it. I can separate the two. If you're into uh, certain genres, think about the, the lyrics that you don't know that you're just kind of going along with. Yeah. Now, Sean Penn, good actor— little nutty. I don't know that I can fully support everything with him, but other than saying, that, everyone else. I'm not saying fully support, but I'm saying like you still like who you like. Yeah. I, I'll go back and watch Mystic and River and I'll the, love Sean Penn's performance. Of this one of every five Americans. Uh, how, one of every five that were polled. How many of them have someone who wanted to go to a Taylor Swift show nearby? Oh, I would say the majority. Nearby them? Yeah. Like, or like ne- they nearby, would want to do it? No, or they or someone that in their household that wanted well, to go. Of course, everybody. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And you know what they weren't saying? No, she's, she's going to swing the election. I can't go support this. You yeah. waited in line. You paid thousands of dollars. Well, the person the, nearby the is not the idiot we're talking about. No, I'm going to say nearby. When she came to town somewhere nearby. 
that these people oh, actually they wanted went. to go yes. or get tickets for someone or, or a family member. Yes. Yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, three stadiums, three hours apart every night. Practically everyone helped make her billions off this tour. We, we've said it all. We've said it all. Yeah. Good show. Oh, hey, aren't you Great show, Hut. It's practically over. You're right. Yep. Great show. Yep. yep. See, Chad, the other, quickly. Where's, where is it going to turn to Kelsey as a part of this? Well, it because, already has. Well, no, but not, not necessarily. still about Taylor Swift and Biden. But Kelsey is the, kind of the, the voice of the couple right now. You know, he's doing the Pfizer commercial for $20 million. There's no way he's doing that unless he's connected to Taylor Swift. It's just not going to happen for him. Well, I mean, look, I you just know, think so. So that's the next next step for he's, Kelsey he's, went from like a darling of the right in a lot of ways, yeah. the way he played, acted, everything, to darling of the left because his darling is Taylor Swift, and he was doing Pfizer ads. Yeah, but so that it shifted then. Doesn't he come across as someone? If we were out at a bar, he comes across as someone I wouldn't want to hang out with. Yeah, I it, would. I wouldn't want to party with him. Patrick Mahomes is the opposite. opposite. He's a guy I'd want to drink with. Opposite. Kelsey strikes me as. Someone, yeah, I wouldn't want to. Jason Kelsey's great. I'd like to party with him. Yeah. Travis, not as much. You know, it, I'm with you on that. He's out partying wearing a helmet. Meanwhile, you've got uh, Kelsey on the mic. Uh, well, he did, he waited for his podcast, speaking of the Kelseys, to uh, apologize to Andy Reid publicly. We will uh, get into that. Plus, we have to, di- we have to discuss the, the whole, whatever that was, friends in low places. Do we have video of that? Like five people trying to grab the mic at the same time. Do we have video? I believe we do. Good. Because the the video puts into perspective just how awful it was. That's next on Hot Mic. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on on this Thursday edition. You know, Davey threw out a good question via text mm-hmm. during the break, talking about the uh, ineptitude of the ACC in basketball. Yeah. And he said, how many ACC coaches can you name off the top of your head that aren't at Duke or North Carolina? Man, that's a great Compared to the SEC point. that's loaded with star coaches, right? Let, well, let's try it. Tony Bennett, who's won a national title, yeah. will be the first one that comes to mind. Um, Steve Forbes. At Wake Forest, Jim Laranaga at Miami, yeah. and they're struggling. But uh, is Leonard Hamilton still at Florida State? <laughs> yeah, he's still there. Um, it's tough to go down the list and have names that pop. Obviously, Kenny Payne is one of the worst coaches in the history of basketball at Louisville. But think about it. one of the He'll worst one of the year. worst coaches of the his, in the history of basketball is at Louisville. And Louisville's a great program. Yes, but so just the percept so. You've got Sankey who goes into uh, SEC spring meetings. When was this, Chad? Probably a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago now. And demand, maybe it was less than that. It was, le- it was probably like seven to 10 years ago. Demanded. You will focus on basketball. Yeah. Had the ADs, 
Uh, it was the year they got like three or four teams in, and that was it. You will, you will said, focus on basketball. You will, you will invest in basketball. The ACC was doing that. They are known for it. How do you just not? How does it get to that? I, it's crazy that it's where it is. I mean, yeah. Well, even you know, go go down the list. Like Bray is gone from Notre Dame. Uh, Bayheim is gone from Syracuse. Yeah. So, of course, K. It's just a. Uh, but I mean, we know John Shire and we know yeah. Hubert Davis that those schools, but Davey's right. It's, it's a, it's a lack of coaching pizzazz. Davey, what's your, that conference? what's your theory? So as a guy that's really followed the ACC and also keep up with the SEC, you look at it where you mentioned that comment about like a decade ago, we're going to really put the emphasis here. You look at these coaching contracts, the money that the ACC is getting now, it just, you can't keep up with the big 10 in the SEC. You're seeing the PAC 12 also fall behind. I know a lot of those schools are going elsewhere now, but it's just with the way in which the TV rights deals have been allocated, these other programs, unless you are a true blue blood, I, I mean, like Duke and UNC, they're continuing to do well. But outside of that, the rest of the ACC is just falling behind. And yeah. they're not going to be able to outspend anybody else to get a better coach. Yep. Is it uh, Brad Brownell at, mm-hmm. at, at Clemson? Clemson, Clemson who's going to be in the tournament this year, Clemson probably? Clemson and Virginia are – I would anticipate both those teams getting in, but you're really only looking at four ACC teams making the tournament this year. It's crazy to see that and then see – you know, like SMU is going to be in the ACC next year. Now, think about SMU in basketball in the ACC and how odd of a fit that is. Yeah. And yeah. then look at Houston, who is likely to win the Big 12 in year one. And look at Texas. And they're going to be a number one seed. Look at Texas. Right? Like, that's a perfect fit, and they've got the coach and the program set up to have immediate yeah. success in the Big 12. Chad. Crazy. Sankey, if we would have talked conspiracy theories, whenever he'd made this demand – and everyone followed along in the SEC. You think he's looking to this era of where we are right now? Because the, the contract that they have, where uh, you, you have the ESPN now extends with college football playoff, and it ends when some other contracts wrap up. You have, you have uh, the college, it ends when the college basketball tournament ends with uh, their contract with uh, the NCAA and CBS TNT. If the SEC was only getting two or three teams in, what's the value of waiting to form this partnership with the Big Ten? You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. If you're getting seven or eight teams in and you become the 2024, 25 version of the ACC and what we're used to seeing there with number one seeds and whatever, uh, then there's value to wait and then own it as well, which you could do. Yeah. No, I, I see that. I also think just with the basketball discussion we're having – the SEC has really benefited from some programs that have risen to the point where it, it, they're really good programs now. It's not a year-to-year thing. Yeah. Not- Tennessee and Auburn jumped to mind. Rick Barnes, Bruce Pearl have been great for the SEC. Kentucky's always going to be Kentucky. They're going to be around. They're going to be relevant. Hey. Regardless of who's coaching. Alabama. Them. Alabama's the third. Nate Oates has been terrific. So right there, I thought Eric Musselman and Arkansas were going to be in that mix, too. They were preseason picked third in the SEC. They've been terrible. He's ripping his shirt they've, off. They've had, a, they've had a drop-off, right? But they've, they've been good since he's been there. But it seems like a given that they're going to schedule very difficult and play a national schedule non-conference. You're going to have Kentucky, Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn with those coaches, Calipari, Nate Oates, Bruce Pearl, Rick Barnes. They're relevant. Those are winning programs. Those are programs in college basketball that immediately come to mind that they're going to be good every year. And then the SEC has had this revolving door of good stories. 
Yes. You know, it might be A&M. Uh, it maybe it turns out to be a Florida this year. South Carolina is a great example coming out of nowhere and being really, really good. That's where the, the SEC, to me, has the advantage, where some other conferences, it's just one dominant team or two, and then everyone else a revolving door. Yeah, the dominant team is just the brand. Yeah. You don't think of the conference. But Pearl, Barnes, they've been able to build and sustain a brand as a program where yes. you know they're going to be around. Yeah, you March. think of the strength of the conference as well. Right. Uh, Travis Kelsey on the New, ha- New Heights podcast, he and, and his brother Jason, did say he crossed the line with Andy Reid. Uh, quote, I immediately wish I took it back. Coach Reed actually came right up to me after, and he said, just let me know, hey, man, I love your passion. I've got cameras all on me, all over the place, man. Just he goes, and he fired me up to go out there and, and do even more to get an effing uh, victory for him, is what he's told to uh, Jason on the podcast. Um, how about this, too? On, we mentioned uh, inside the NFL yesterday where they've, they've flipped that out. They edited out and uh, muted the yeah. audio. Um, what they did not mute is... Mahomes and Kelsey and some of the other teammates on the sideline after the 49ers decided to take the ball in overtime. Uh, and this is also from the podcast. The, what he, they're giddy on the sideline. And he says, man, I, they were in disbelief. And in the, the mic'd up segment, they want it. They want it, baby. Uh, we want them to have a ball. They want it. They can have it. And he goes on to say that um, you win the coin toss. That's what you get. You get the opportunity to have the advantage, and they gave it right over to us. Damn. That was from Kelsey and the overall uh, perception of that decision. Love that statement from him. Hate the selective uh, choice of what to post and whatnot when it comes to audio yeah. of what was said on the sideline. Yep. And again, they're, they're posting that because they won the game. If they lose the game, I think that audio is out there about Kelsey and Reed. Because that's the storyline. They lose the game, and it's kind of a I don't know, man. Weird... I think he's protected status now. Maybe they're not they're not going to post it, it because of his celebrity. But the the national and he would ask him not to. The the storyline of Kansas City would be, man, they just they were not the same. They're dropping passes a year, and even in the Super Bowl, the guy who doesn't drop passes is going after Andy Reid, future Hall of Fame head coach. Well, I, I go back to uh, remember the. America's Game series yes. that NFL Network did on yes. every Super Bowl champion. I don't know if they still do that every year with teams, but remember the NFL Films footage of Peyton Manning going after Jeff Saturday during yeah. the Colts? And or I'm thinking, there's Brady an example of America's sweetheart, right, that allowed himself, I guess he signed off on it, to be exposed where he goes after his offensive line. They get in a shouting match each other, but it was great. I'll always remember that moment. But yet, Kelsey, we can't see what he said to Andy Reid in that moment, especially now that they've kissed and made up and everyone's apologized. We can't go back and see what he was saying to him. That's I don't like it. It is interesting how they just kind of, you know, they've just put the fire out. But just by saying, oh, we're just talking about love. Love, 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 Jeff. I also love, love, love. how Tony Romo was being the worst lip reader ever in that moment. He's like, look, he's just saying, hey, coach, I love you, but put me back in. You know, I need to be in the game right now. I'm thinking, you don't know what he's saying. Exactly. I mean, he was screaming in his ear as he's knocking him down. I don't, I don't know exactly what he was saying, but that was a bad lip-reading job. Do we have the video of Kelsey um, and the, the singing? Yeah. So, this, this, I think everyone can relate to having that drunk friend who is just obnoxious. This is, this is the guy I would want to not hang out with at the bar at 1 a.m. 
And unfortunately for Travis Kelsey, it took place at like, I don't know, 1 p.m. Yeah. On a stage in front of at least a million people. And then uh, cameras were rolling on this. And they were not muting the audio. You know this song, Sing Along. Oh. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined the Niners affair. The last one to know. This guy's going to flip the election. We were the last one to show. We were the last ones they thought they'd see there. And I saw the surprise. I mean, how is he reading? fear in their eyes. Well, that he doesn't know, though. Took that glass of champagne. Pat, Pat took that glass of champagne, I promise you. Someone take the mic. When I took, and I toasted you. It's like being in L.A. Only we do what I never. <laughs> I'm waiting what? on Vince Vaughn to take the mic like he did in old school. I got free. From Luke Wilson. But look at everyone. Oh, there he is. Grabbing the mic. I mean, I mean, it, it's yeah. it sounds. Look at everyone around, like, get the mic. He is so drunk that he sounds like he's acting drunk. It sounds like someone pretending to be drunk. That's how drunk he is. That's bad. That's um, bad. Bra- That's embarrassing. Thanks. I feel bad for him. Like I felt like uh, when I was watching Joe Namath try to kiss Susie Colber. The way he sounded, the Jets are struggling. That's the way. That was his rendition of of uh, friends in low places. There. At least you awful. had someone holding the mic for in that moment instead of just. Yeah. Imagine what Namath would have said if he had the mic and just took it. You know, took his moment in the in the limelight. Imagine if Brady had the mic uh, after the tequila spree that he went on uh, on the boat. Well, Brady's smart enough to go nowhere near a mic when he's stumbling off. But the he's boat. got the look. It's like, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Oh, world champion! Then you take the early flight home from San Diego, and <laughs> it reminded me of old school, where Vince Vaughn had to save his buddy from the mic. That's what that was. Pat Mahomes coming in. And, late and normally, there's the always save. there's always that one player uh, who always grabs the mic that shouldn't have it. Yeah, after the parades, and we're not shocked that that one player was Travis Kelsey. No, not at that all. Shouldn't have grabbed the mic, but did. Uh, that, imagine your worst hangover. And now know that Travis Kelsey woke up feeling worse than that. I don't know. He probably got about 14 hours of sleep because he probably fell asleep right after that. I don't know, man. So he got a good night's sleep. Yeah. I bet he continued to drink. Planned conspiracy (coughs) theories. Behind the scenes. Chad, there's a lot of lawsuits floating around. There are. Or the threat of lawsuits. Um, Some are confusing. You know, the judge who did not rule for the uh, temporary restraining order in favor of the state of Tennessee and the Commonwealth of Virginia against the NCAA. Um, also has the case in front of him for a, what is it, a, a, an early injunction? Preliminary injunction? Yep. When are we going to hear from this? And what does it mean that he didn't give the TRO, but he's hearing this now in front of uh, uh, the federal judge? Uh, we'll ask Mark Edelman about that. Plus, uh, the NHL involved in some antitrust lawsuit and the NFL blindsided by this partnership that includes ESPN, Fox, and Time Warner. What are they looking for as far as loopholes for the contract and streaming games uh, in this new partnership that it sounds like the NFL wants to do and wants to own? That's straight ahead on Hot Mike. <laughs> 